We've been going through the New Testament. Uh, we did the Old Testament first. Um, loved that. If you guys want to hear more of that, you missed some of that, you can go online. Uh, Tuesday teachings on our website, LachlanChurch.com. And uh, you can go back and listen to all of those and see my notes and everything else. Unfortunately, I don't have my bibliography on there yet because I just haven't had the moment to do that. So. so for all the people that are on there and they know I'm plagiarizing for them, I apologize. Because <laughs> um, I did take studies from places and things from all over the place. That's what you know we do. Um, but, and then we're going through the New Testament. We've, we've gone through the Gospels, and we're in, in um, Acts. And Acts uh, is a continuation of the book of Luke, where we focus on Christ being universal and for all people. And the mission going out into the, uh, the Gentiles. And uh, so we've already covered the first missionary uh, um, missionary journey of Paul as he uh, traveled from uh, all around uh, the known world um, and then he came back to Jerusalem had that debate remember that council in Jerusalem where they talked about do you have to become a Jew first do the Gentiles have to become Jews first to become Christians and the Decided, no, you don't have to become because that's not what Christ was about. It was about being just Jew. It was about being for everybody. And um, so then, so, so we're on the second missionary journey. Now, if you look at this map here, I'm not going to go through every event that, that, uh, that Paul does, but we're not going to read it all. But in, starting in Acts chapter 15, around verse 36, um, Paul and Barnabas set out as they agreed to revisit the Galatian churches uh, in, uh, uh, for there, but they disagree about taking John Mark. Now, if you remember, during the first missionary journey, John Mark had left them after they left the, the island of Cyprus. He left them when they went up here, and we don't know why. Um, he had left them. And so after the argument that um, Paul and Barnabas have, Paul and Barnabas split ways again. And Barnabas takes John Mark back on mission in the Cyprus area. And Paul will take a man named Silas. Um, and then at Listeria, uh, Paul will ask Timothy to join them. That's at the beginning of chapter 16. And Timothy is one of those names you should, that sounds really familiar, because there's a whole book, a whole uh, two letters dedicated to, uh, to, um, uh, to, to Timothy, as Paul is mentoring uh, Timothy. So they will um, revisit small towns that they've already had. And while they're going here, one of the things that they're doing is they're, they're telling people about Christ, but they're also spreading the news about what happened at the Jerusalem Council back in, in 15. So about the, the Gentile converts and what that means for them as they are, you know, they're talking to the Gentiles. What that means for them as they travel uh, up through the Galatian area. 
and they're going to um, they're going to the, to carry around and, and um, um, interesting enough, we've had uh, and I, I talked about this in. Um, and Sunday sermons, because we're also going through Acts and Sunday sermons. But uh, Paul goes, uh, tries to go um, on the road and go on into some of this other area up in here. And, and he's stopped by the Holy Spirit, if you remember, right? Um, he's blocked by the Holy Spirit. And um, at night, Paul has a vision and... Um, a Macedonian urges him to come across and help him, and so he decides to set sail for Macedonia. Um, it's actually while, and you read in verse sixteen, in chapter sixteen, it's while they're over in Macedonia area. Um, this is what will become the Greek area. This is the Greeks are living here, um, Macedonia. Um, that Luke actually joins Paul. The author of, this, of the book actually is traveling with Paul around this time period. So, um, um, Paul will go on and deliver a girl, fortune teller from an evil spirit. Uh, the girl's owners protest because she was making them all kinds of money. The crowd attacks Paul and Silas. They're flogged, imprisoned. They're freed by what? You guys, remember chapter sixteen? Earthquake. There you go. And their jailer believes, and he and his family come to family come to Christ. Um, in. Um, where you see that eight up there? That's where Paul convinced both Jews and Greeks uh, um, of Christ. But some jur- Jews stir up a riot against uh, Paul. And he has to leave secretly in chapter 17. So he's all the way up in here. Um In um, over here in nine, right here, this area right here, we have um, that's where Paul receives a better reception. But a mob that is stirred up by the people from Thessalonica um, Paul leaves, but Silas and Timothy will actually stay behind in this area right here. And uh, um, let's see what else we got here. See the eleven. This is actually where Paul was when he wrote the book of First and Second Thessalonians. After Paul and uh, Silas and Timothy arrived with news of Thessalonica, they arrive, he arrives with what's going on. So Paul, in response, writes a letter to the Thessalonians. 
when we read the letters, and we'll talk about this more when we get to the letters, which is next, we have to remember that Paul doesn't just sit down and say, hey, I think I'm going to write to my friends, the Thessalonians. He writes them in response to news he has heard. So we're listening in on a conversation with these things, and we're only getting half of it. We're not hearing half. It's like being on the telephone, right? And you're sitting there hearing one side of it, but you're, you know, you're not actually part of the conversation. You're just hearing the person on the telephone. And so we're only getting a bit of it. And then our job, and well, the job of uh, biblical scholars, is to try to recreate, because of what Paul says, what's going on in Thessalonica. And what causes this. And we'll talk about this again. I'm, I'm sure I'll mention it again. But they also don't have quotation marks in Greek. So Paul will quote things that have been said, or in letters he'll quote things, and we have to almost guess as to which ones are quotations. Which can lead to one of the reasons why we have like different interpretations of different passages in, say, 1 Corinthians. Well, that was a quote, some people say, well, that was a quotation from, from something else, and he's responding to it. Oh, no, that's what Paul actually said, and... And it's because we're not quite sure which is quotes and which ones are. We have some good ideas uh, because of the way the Greek is written. Now, as far as I'm told, I'm not a Greek expert. But as far as I'm told, that we have some idea, good ideas, but we're not 100% sure. Especially on some of them where he just may have referenced it instead of actually quoted. And so that can lead to some strong problems. So... When Silas and Timothy arrived with news from Thessalonica, Paul and his team write the letter to the Thessalonians. So that's what they're writing uh, to the Thessalonians, and they encourage that church uh, in its difficulties. Um, in this area here, they're going to spend, um, which is where Corinth is, they're going to spend um, about two years there building up the church, which is a long time for a traveling missionary. Um, he's going to spend about two years there. And despite Jewish opposition, they're able to stay there. Uh, and you'll see that in Acts chapter 18. Um, continuing on in Acts chapter 18, um, they're going to... Swing by and stop briefly in Ephesus, which Paul um, had been earlier forbidden by the Spirit to preach in. But he debates with the Jews who want him to stay longer, and he's actually going to leave. And then they're going to travel back to Antioch via uh, Caesarea and Jerusalem. That's going to be in chapter 18 of Acts. And that's going to end the, the second missionary journey. So you guys, if you go with your scriptures and you read chapter the end of 15 all the way up through 18, that's the, the second missionary journey. And so then from there in chapter 19, we're going to begin a third missionary journey. And he's not going to, um, this is actually going to be a longer missionary journey. Um, yeah. 
where he travels around a lot. <laughs> um, let's see, right here. Ephesus. Paul is going to make Ephesus the base for his mission work for the next three years. Um, his disciples, Apollos, are going to um, found a church in Acts chapter 19. And the gospel is going to spread throughout Asia. Which, not Asian, like China, not Asia. Which would be this area right here. Um, so he's going to be centered in Ephesus. And then he's going to make trips away from Ephesus and then come back to Ephesus. Um... Paul, in chapter 19, is going to um, plan on going to Macedonia, um, this whole area up in here. And he's actually going to send Timothy and a man named Eratus ahead of him. Um, and um, so that they can prepare the way for Paul and... Um, they're actually probably going to visit Corinth as well as they're traveling in this area. Um, during this time period, three members of the Corinthian church, and we're going to read about this in 1 Corinthians 16, are going to bring a letter to Paul. And it's full of questions that reveal a, a problem is far greater to Paul. And while he's in this Ephesus journey, he's going to write to the church of 1 Corinthians, tackling all these problems. Once again, as you read 1 Corinthians, you've got to keep in mind, you're only hearing half the conversation. It's a letter that's addressing problems. And actually, I was just reading a, a book the other day that argues... Uh, 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 that we should put quotation marks about uh, part of um, part of Corinthians that isn't in our Bibles uh, quotation marked because um, we're not sure on some of these issues. Um, there are differences in opinion on these things. Um, After he writes these letters, and he'll send them back and uh, there and there, uh, and Timothy probably brings them to the Corinthian church. Timothy's probably the messenger. Remember, they don't have a postal system. So Timothy's the one who's probably going to actually bring them to the church in Corinthians. And um, after Timothy returns, probably with bad news, Paul's going to hurry to the Corinthian church um, uh, we see in 2 Corinthians 12, 14 that it's implied that a, a third visit to the Corinthian church is actually planned. Um, and um, the visit seems to be extremely painful for everyone. Paul, um, Paul seems to be, has, has, is, is pretty severe in this letter. Um, as he returns to Ephesus, he writes 2 Corinthians, which he calls a, in 2 Corinthians 2.4, he calls a painful letter. 
he's quite upset about the Corinthian church. Um, as we read Corinthians, you've got to take him aside that. Um, Titus will take that letter to Corinthians. Um, in Ephesus, um, before he leaves, uh, Paul's in the center of a riot. Remember we talked about that this last Sunday. As um, he threatens the sale of the statues of the Ephesian goddess, After that, so we're in about uh, um, um, the, 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 where am I at? Yeah. Um, so after chapter nineteen, um, Paul will go down to Trails, which is that one right there. Can you see that? And um, it, by doing this, he actually breaks an arrangement he has made with the Corinthians um, in going to them by the, you know, um, he was going to go to them by sea before visiting Macedonia. He actually apologized in Second Corinthians 1, uh, 5 and 2, 4, through 2, 4. He doesn't want another painful visit. Um, and um, as he travels, he's going to in, uh, encourage churches and collect money for the Jerusalem church. And it says in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 and 5 that he's going to collect money here for the church in Jerusalem. Um, As you read 2 Corinthians, you're going to see it's more of a joyful letter. Um, apparently the 1 Corinthians worked, maybe. <laughs> um, Titus will take that letter ahead of Paul as he prepares for a third visit to the Corinthian church. Um, Paul will stay in... Um, probably in, in, in Corinth... Uh, for quite some time while he uh, in uh, three months where he's going to write the letter to the Romans because that's where he's planning on going to next is Rome um, but he travels to Jerusalem first by sea um, and a plot by his enemies force him to return through Macedonia um, Um, one of the things we talk, we haven't really talked about in um, in Acts is um, Paul goes to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. Um, 
while he's um, while he's there, he's actually going to preach well into midnight, and a boy is going to fall out of a third-story window falling asleep while Paul is preaching. And you thought you were the only one falling asleep today. Um, anyways, he falls out of a window and dies in the book of Acts. But Paul raises him from the dead. Um, Let's stay at this one. In Jerusalem, um, Paul gets recognized by some Jews from Asia in the temple. And a mob will actually drag him out and try to kill him. Not the first time he's been drug out and tried to be killed. This time, however, the Roman troops will arrest him in order to protect him. Um, Paul will be allowed to speak to the writers, but when his words incite them to more violence, he's taken to the Roman fortress. Um, They're charging him with disturbing the peace breaking the Pax Romana. Um, after he's taken the fortress, the next day, Paul defends himself before the Jewish council. And um, his arguments, once again, they turn to violence against him. Um, over 40 men will plot to kill Paul. The Roman commander will hear of the plot and at night he will send Paul under arm escort to the governor Felix and Caesarea, which is right there on that map right there. So he's here, he's taken to the fortress and from the fortress he's taken up to Caesarea because they're trying to kill him. Yeah. Yeah, his nephew. <laughs> well, how the story goes. <laughs> um, Paul's case is heard by Felix, but he defers the decision, doesn't want to make it. Um, two years later, Festus replaces Felix and Paul is still in prison for his protection. Yeah, that's the way governments work, right? <laughs> um, and uh, he's in prison. Now, when we say in prison, he's probably not in, like, chains. He's probably more like what we consider under house arrest. But that also means you can't go out to get food or make money. So people have to, if you want to survive your house arrest, people have to bring you stuff. Coats, clothing, wood, 
water, food. So you have to be cared for because you can't leave the house. So it's not like he can run down to the river. They don't have a faucet now back then. So he can't even run down to the river to get water. So people have to bring him stuff. Wall imprisonment, if you didn't have anyone to take care of you, you died. Paul last has people taking care of him. Two years. We forget that when we think about imprisonment. Because our imprisonment system, we're like, you go to jail, you get, what, three, three hots on a cot, right? That was not how it worked back then. Um, so he's being taken care of. And um, so, but he's still in prison after two years. And then Festus hears Paul's case. And he seems unfavorable. So Paul appeals to have his case heard by the emperor. Now he can do this because he's a Roman citizen as well as a Jew. Now if he was just a Jew, he couldn't do this. But he's a Roman citizen as well. So he can appeal to have his case heard by the, the emperor. Um, and that means he's going to have to be taken to Rome to present his story to uh, Agrippa II. So that means Paul, his companions, including Luke, who's writing the story, leaves for Rome while Paul is under armed guard. While they're on the sea, bad weather, um, strikes and they have to reach for clear waters and they have to wait there and they decide to wait um, um, about October it's the um they, they, they actually shelter there until the end of the safe shelling, uh, uh, sailing season. This doesn't make sense to me, okay? Bad weather forces them to, to, to take refuge, okay? Well, they decide they don't want to stay there, even though it's October, which is the end of the sailing season. You don't sail after that because of the storms are even worse. But they decided, we don't want to winter here. We're going to sail on for a place called Phoenix. Not the one down south. Um, but on the route to Phoenix, because it's past the safe sailing season, they're blown further out to sea. Um, they jettison the cargo. They jettisoned the ship's equipment. It says, um, night 14 of the storm, they see land. Um, and they will, they will uh, eventually um, land on the island of Malta. Thankfully, everyone's alive.
Um, but yeah, but the, you know, they they decided they were. I, I don't know why they were being stupid. They wanted to just go to a different a different place to winter. Um, From the little tiny island of Malta where they land, actually while they're on Malta, uh, Paul's going to be bitten by a snake. Um, and he's going to have to recover from the snake bite. But he's also not only going to heal himself, he's going to, he's going to heal other people while he's, um, while he's there. They stay there in, the, in Malta for three months until the bad weather passes. And they're going to um, travel Syracuse. They'll stay there for three days. Um, they're going to um, travel north up in this area. They're going at uh, Putoli. They're going to uh, stay there for about a week. Um, Paul stays with friends on uh, local believers at the time. And then they're going to set up for a 100-mile journey from there to Rome. Um, By the time he gets to Rome, there's already a church established in Rome. Christian church established by Rome. Tradition has it that it was started by Peter, but we don't know that. That's not in the Bible. That's just tradition. Um, but when he travels to Paul, Rome, believers from Rome come out and welcome him. They've heard of Paul. Paul will be kept under house arrest, uh, waiting his trial for two years. Um, seems he has considerable freedom to preach while he's there. All right, we have about 20 minutes. So I'm going to start the next section, if that's okay with you guys. That's how Acts ends. So we're going to stop and talk about the letters of Paul. Now, in your scriptures, there are going to be arguably 13 books written by Paul. Um, I wish I could say it was clear cut, but it's always not clear cut who wrote them. And as ancient writings and ancient books, there will always be an argument about who wrote them. Um, I'm going to go with all, Paul wrote all 13 of these. Well, let's, let's see how many of you guys know. How many of you guys know that Paul wrote, which books did Paul write? See, now I'm not going to go with Hebrews for Paul. 
it's just a little bit too different from the rest of his writings. Um, we don't know who wrote the Hebrews. We'll talk about that when we get to Hebrews, but we don't know who wrote it. Um, one of my college professors thought Apollos, the disciple of Paul, wrote it. Um, don't have a clue. The author. <laughs> um, Hebrews is a wonderful, fun book. Um, especially if you want to cross-reference. If you like to cross-reference, cross-reference means look for the hyperlinks, right? We talked about hyperlinks. This passage references something in the Old Testament. It's all over Hebrews. You go through every other line, every, every line is a, something from the Old Testament. And so if you like to cross-reference or hyperlink stuff, it's a wonderful book takes forever to go through and find all the hyperlinks and the references and the stuff. Absolutely, Death of Isaiah. <laughs> um, this is all over. Now these, the book of Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, Philemon, 1 Thessalonians, these have the strongest evidence for Pauline authorships. The other six people argue against. But I'm going to go with Paul wrote all 13, which is what tradition is. Um, so, but as we talk about Paul, I think... 13 books, arguably 13 books of our old of our New Testament was written by the man. Very important figure in our history. Um, yeah. All right, Paul's teaching. Uh, Paul will emphasize the glory of God in Christ. Um, in Paul's teachings, I'm kind of summing up some things that we see in all his letters. God is infinite, wise, all-knowing. God is the sinner, and to him, through, uh, to God, uh, to him and through him, um, he's going to emphasize God's oneness, even though he's going to speak in triune language. Remember what that triune means? Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Paul's going to use this triune language a lot, but he's going to emphasize the oneness of God. Uh, evil and the human dilemma. Uh, in Paul's theology, the devil's behind evil. Um, in the end, the devil and evil will be crushed. We are all slaves to sin, but through the Savior we are freed. Um, we all need a Savior. These are things that you hear me say all the time on church on Sundays because I read a lot from Paul and his letters. Now, what's that? The law. Um, Paul embraces the law. He's known as a Jew above all Jews. So he embraces the law, but he condemns legalism. That idea that you, you know, 
he realizes that we're all sinners falling short of the glory of God and we can't do it on our own. Um, he even says, I hate to do the things I do. Um, he knows that the law cannot save you. Um, so he condemns the law at one point because of legalism, but he encourages the law because of faith. So some people see it as a contradiction, but it's really, he encourages the law because of faith, but he condemns it because of legalism. It can't save you, but he encourages the law. Um, yeah, we were justified through faith, sanctified through his work, justified made right, uh, sanctified made holy, set apart. The law does not save us, but because we are saved, we follow the law. Now, he's going to make a strong argument for not Judaizing as well. Remember back in Acts 8, 15, we don't need to become Jews. So he's going to make a strong argument against being, so he's, there are certain things that he leaves out of the law for Gentiles. These are the things that make them Jews, like the food customs, like circumcision, um, like... Um, some of the Sabbath day rules, but uh, not all of the Sabbath day rules, some of the Sabbath day rules. <laughs> but he, he, because he does, he says you don't have to become a Jew first. So we don't have to follow the law that means you're becoming a Jew. But you have to follow the rest of them. And so that's where some of the arguments come in. Well, which ones did Paul like this law and not this law? So at least the arguments sometimes we have with ourselves. How many of you guys have looked at the Old Testament? Should we be following this? <laughs> How about this one? How about this one? And some of that's because Paul's like, well, you don't need to follow the ones that make you Jewish, but you do have to follow the rest of them because you are saved. So it gets an argument going on. That's right. That's what Paul says because he's saying circumcision doesn't count for anything, because he's uh, he's you know he he doesn't he condemns the law because of legalism, and he doesn't want them to become Jews, but he, at the same time he encourages the law because of faith. Right, and, but we do, yeah, he does. He does talk about that's how we feel. We, we love God and we love, and the rest of the laws are just under these two categories. You know, how do we define what that means? The problem we have when we get too broad with that kind of thinking is we can start taking out things and saying, well, that's and that's and that's because we change the definition of like what love actually means, right? Absolutely, as long as we define love biblically. Because if we don't define love biblically, then we can get a modern definition of love. And that's not going to fly. <laughs> and we see churches do this. Unfortunately. Um, where am I at? Ah, people of God. Paul believes that Israel was chosen. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of the prophecies. 
And that promise extends to those who believe that are Gentiles. He's actually going to pass it on. Uh, Messiah. Um, Jew of Jews, so he's going to have a very high view of Christ as the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah. Um, He's going to do a lot of substitution, uh, atonement, uh, which is the idea that Christ died in the place of sinners. He's not all about uh, punishment. There are a few punishment places in Paul, but his primary focus tends to be on substitution. Um, Christ took our place, bearing the punishment so we don't have, you know, we paid our debt. Um, let's see, where are we at? The cross. Uh, cross is going to be a symbolic for the atonement of Christ. Um, though, you know, like we wear, I was wearing one yesterday, a cross is on our neck, you know, we cross on the church, you know. That's actually a relatively newer, um, at the time of, uh, of Paul's writing, they wouldn't use the cross as a symbol for Christ. They used the fish because it was the sign of Jonah. Um, the cross actually came, um, well, we're not quite sure where, where how it developed, but one theory is, let me put it up that way, one theory is that when Christianity went to Egypt, and they have what's called the Ankh, I'm sure you've seen it, it's the cross with the circle on the top of it, and it's a symbol of life in the Egyptian religion, um, and they would have worn the Ankh as part of their, uh, some people would have worn it as amulets, and so they would have started representing the cross. It reminded the Christians of the cross, and they'd start wearing it in the same manner. That's one theory of how it developed. Do you think it started from the Roman cross? They have think that's um yeah actually it could i mean the roman catholic church the Rome, and we'll talk about this um after we talk about new testament we're actually going to do church a segment on church history um the roman catholic church took over after um peter passes away uh in rome um and at the, up up until uh, but before that it was uh, Ephesus and Corinth had more power, but Rome with the, uh, what was his name? Um, not yet. Clement? Clement. Clement the first. Pope Clement the first. He's going to be the first pope in, uh, the first uh, leader in, from the, bishop from the Roman church to become the, put the, the, the Roman church as the power uh, in the Christian world. And so from there, we're going to have the universal, that's what Catholic means is universal, the universal church um, take over and become the primary view of that. And that's going to be, and of course, the, you're also going to have the Eastern Orthodox split really quickly after that. But um, but um, a lot of their symbolism, because people couldn't read, was um, 
they did start putting like Christ on the cross and they started wearing that and then Protestants said no we're going to take him off the cross and so you have just the cross because um, he's dead and buried and, and, and uh, it was a fight so we're going to have uh, symbolism in that way no symbol nothing in history happens by itself everything is tied to everything else um, and we, if we just say I'm always I, I, I'm he- always hesitant to say this is what caused something because there's no one thing that caused anything we're a product of everything around us um, you know we've seen this argument a lot with like uh, the Civil War was it a war over slavery absolutely did slavery cause the war well in part <laughs> Um, because it wasn't just slavery. It was a whole economic system. It was a whole, it was differences in opinion. The north, the rural and the urban had, hadn't been getting along since before they were a nation and that was bubbling up. But slavery was the primary wedge, I guess you could say, that drove the war. Yeah, you could. Yeah, the cross was the the moment between the old and the new testament uh, covenants. Now, remember, the old covenant is not eradicated by the new. We have to remember that the old covenant is not eradicated, but it's just expanded for the the new covenant is what most Gentiles are under. We're not under the old covenant because we don't follow. We're not we're not under the law. We're grafted in onto the new covenant. And that's why Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the old covenant, but to fulfill it, make it complete, so we can have a new covenant and establish a new covenant. Uh, covenant speak is actually a really interesting study. If you ever want to do some good covenants, because there's, it's not just old and new covenant. There's the Davidic covenant, the Noahic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, um, covenant agreements between God and human are very interesting go in the scriptures and read the different covenants and what's required some of them require man and, and God to do certain things and some of them it's all God doing something and, um, and so it's very interesting to see the covenant speech um, in, in the Bible um, which we don't have time to because we're doing introduction <laughs> um where are we at? Resurrection. The main theme in Paul's letter, resurrection, as it should be, right? Jesus Christ was resurrected, not dead, but lives. Victory over sin and death. And, be, uh, and becoming Christ-like, we will be resurrected in the end. A central theme in Paul's writings. Uh, ethics. Um, we can sum up Paul's ethics in three words. Anyone want to guess them? Yep, three words. They go together all in Paul's writings a couple of times. All his ethics can be up in, summed up in these three words. Faith, hope, love. Joy. Faith, hope, and love. Um, 
All good works come out of these three things, faith, hope, and love. Follow these things, then you can live a moral life. I'd have to get back to you on that one. Um, I've heard that before, but I'm not positive that's actually... I'm, I'm trying to think of all the different faiths, you know? And yes, he's the only one that has been resurrected and proven to be resurrected. So he is the only living God. However, some other faiths, their gods did raise too, in some form. Um, I want to say... And like I said, I, you can't quote me on this one. So I'll turn off my mic, right? Uh, <laughs> um, Mithras, maybe. Um, a couple of the Egyptian gods rose, but they rose not in physical form, in a, in a spiritual, spiritual way. Um, Uh, yeah, but we could say that Jesus is the only one who raised physically and has witnesses to the account that he physically raised. Um, church, Christ died to rescue the body of believers. Christ is the head of the body of believers, and that is the church. He emphasized the body of believers not being like our local church. I think sometimes we get it confused and make this building the church, or we have to, you're going to go to hell if you don't go to a certain building and worship in that church. That's not what Paul teaches at all. That's not what Jesus taught at all. It wasn't about the building. It's about the people gathering together. Mm -hmm. We're the church. Um, eschatology. Study the last things. Um, this is the last thing I'll do today. I know you guys are like, oh, this is getting boring. Okay. <laughs> eschatology. Kingdom of God is at hand. Um, Paul actually writes, he seems to be thinking it's going to happen like in his lifetime. That's why he says things like, don't get married. Don't even bother having sex or having kids and getting married. Because then it's coming like right now. <laughs> I mean, he's writing with a very real expectation that it's going to happen like tomorrow. And it didn't happen in his lifetime. Um, but he does emphasize that we should be set apart for when Jesus does come. Which is something we've been still preaching since then. That we don't know when he's going to come. We're going to be ready every day. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, ooh, all right. So um, 
Yeah, if you're listening online, next week you won't be joining us. Go watch New Testament letters, historical context, and New Testament letters, literary context for the Bible Project, and then go look up something about Romans. Um, I say that because I'm not going to record next week's lesson. Um, for you guys that are going to be here, we're going to watch a couple of videos from the Bible Project. I love the Bible Project. You guys have figured that out by now. Those are good. Uh, we're going to start talking about Romans. Uh, and I think we might, yeah, we'll probably watch, uh, end up, right, it's probably, uh, we'll probably watch the two letters by the Bible Project, talk about how letters are written all together real quick. And then we're going to watch a video about Rome that I don't have permission to put out over the internet. I have the licenses to show us here, but I don't have the licenses to show us um, um, online. And it's going to be a video about Rome that I used to show when I was teaching uh, history. And um, it's about 25 minutes long. So come next week ready to watch a few videos that'll be the primary thing we do next week so bring some popcorn um, so that's what we're going to do next week and if you're online sorry um, so all right um, all right anything else we need to say I know it's it's seven o'clock we need to No, we're good? All right. Father God, we praise you today, Lord. We thank you for this wonderful blessing, Lord. We pray that uh, you just help us to grow more sure in our study of the scriptures, that we have a strong foundation so that when we read the scriptures, we know, uh, have the basis to dive in, Lord, that, uh, that we don't get things out of context. Lord, we focus on the bigger pictures as well as getting to the little things. So we're, we're able to focus and see uh, your truth. Um, we are, are incredibly thankful for your word. We're incredibly thankful for this uh, group of people gathering together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.